all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning from MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me in the studio today, I have Dr. Jim Hurt, who's an orthopedic surgeon with UMMC as well, and we'll be talking about sports injuries today. So I know you guys got questions about sports injuries. If you want to get on the line with us today, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can send me an email, fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And joining me in the studio today, I have Dr. Jim Hurt, who is an orthopedic surgeon also at UMMC. And we're going to be talking about sports injuries today because it is the season of sports. Um, Everybody started back to football this past week. And so I know there's probably been some folks who have uh, had a bump or bruise along the way there. So, uh, Jim, thank you so much for coming thanks in thanks for having today. me absolutely and i really wanted to get you guys on because i saw um a little ad come across facebook about this friday night clinic yeah. that you guys have tell us about that yeah absolutely so I, i'm a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon and uh, we treat all sports injuries but football just gets busy football is a rough sport we see lots of injuries and so um most of the high school games are on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And the problem with Friday night games is that oftentimes there's some, you know, there's some urgent care clinics um, around, but there's no real availability of right. physicians other than going to the ER if you get hurt. And so uh, no one likes to stress over their kid being hurt all night to have to go see someone the next morning or go to the ER that night. Right. Uh, and so this is, it's kind of a public service. You know, we're able to see kids right after the football game. We're open from nine to 11. So right after the games, we'll stay there as long as we need to, if, as long as people are in there. Um, we have x-ray, we have physical therapy uh, that's there. We have a physician um, trainers. We just kind of have a big crew. Mm-hmm. And so we can take care of these injuries. We can often, we get x-rays diagnose oftentimes, um, can order MRIs if they're needed, have them work with the physical therapist, get a brace, do all these things, you know, in about 20 or 30 minutes yeah. that might take six or seven hours. If you go to the or, ER on a or Friday longer. night or longer, <laughs> depending right? on where you are. Absolutely. Yeah, and then you just kind of know, right. You can right. sleep a little easier. Um, you know, we see concussions, we see all, all types of injuries. Yeah. So that's an absolutely fantastic service that you guys have. And it's at UMC at the yeah, pavilion, right? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, 
the pavilion's the building that's right in between Children's Hospital and the VA. And so uh, with the new Children's Hospital construction, you, have, you actually have to come in off of Lakeland to get there. You can turn into the VA and kind of wind around, uh, but it comes up on Google Maps. Yeah. It's easy to find, and I can kind of I can give you an address later and a phone yeah. number. Yeah. But and there's some good signage around too with all the construction. Don't don't let that deter you. Yep. Don't don't think you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. You will get there. So if you guys have a question for our orthopedic surgeon, now is a great time. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. All right. So how long has this kind of Friday night effort been going on? Uh. You know, these kind of post-injury clinics have been going on in the, the area for a long time. Most of them are on Saturday morning mm-hmm. uh, and are busy and great. Uh, the Friday night clinic, we just really started back about four years ago. It ran for a while, uh, you know, maybe like 2008 to 2012, mm-hmm. and then there was a little lag. And when I came back to the university in 2015, we started it back up. So I think that's our fourth year running it. Does it stay pretty busy? It depends. Uh, you know, I, we... People maybe think that we hope for injuries or hope for business, but, <laughs> but, we, don't. but we don't, right? Yeah. We don't want kids getting hurt, and yeah. I don't want to have to operate on a kid or hold him right. out from playing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, maybe busier than we would like, yeah. uh, busier than the patients would like. Um, but, yeah, that you know, randomly there's a night we don't see anyone, and that's great. That's great. You know, we, can, we can sneak safe. out of there, get in bed a little early, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, uh, usually usually we're seeing five to ten patients, yeah. you know, from the, from the teams and the area that – you know, from these football games. Yeah. I mean, it really is a great service. You know, my, my kids do not play football, um, but a lot of my friends' kids do. Yeah. And I'm kind of the person they'll text and be like, okay, so so-and-so got this injury. Do I need to take them in today or does it, can it wait till tomorrow? Sure. And so, you know, I mean, that's, that's a hard call for me to make yep. over, you know, over the phone, something like that. But, you know, as a mom, I can, there's that, that delicate balance of am I overreacting? Oh, absolutely. Right? Or, you know, is this really an injury that needs to be checked out? And so sure. without having a clinic like this, you either have to go to the ER and sit there all yeah. night or you wait till the next morning. And if something was wrong, then you feel terrible, feel bad. Right? right? Like you yeah. let them hurt all night long for no reason. No doubt. And I've done that to my kids, right? <laughs> well, uh, medical yeah. professionals so, are really bad about no, that. No, I think we, I think we are. So, <laughs> but no, I think, you know, a good, a good general rule of thumbs is if there's, a, if there's an injury in your legs, mm-hmm. if you can walk or the patient can put weight on it, it's probably not broken mm-hmm. and can probably wait till the next day. Um, if it, if you can't put any weight on it, there's a, there's a higher likelihood mm-hmm. that there's a fracture of some sort. If the knee is big and swollen, has a lot of fluid on it, there's a good chance that something's torn or broken. Uh, and if it's crooked, mm-hmm. right? If it's so, pointing the other direction. Yeah, no, I mean, if there's a there's a there's something that's out of place or right. not where it should be, not just swollen, but mm-hmm. kind of crooked and out of place, should probably get checked out. Oh, yeah. I broke my pinky toe one time because oh, yeah. that's a good, that's a good one too. to break. And it was pointing the other direction. So was mine. Yeah. I looked at it and I was like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we got to go in. That's really bad. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no doubt. So, you know, but honestly, we're, we're there, yeah. you know, uh, and even if it's not bad, we, we're still going to see you, treat you, get you going. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't lose the whole weekend. So yeah. even if it's something you maybe could wait till Monday, we'll, we'll get some maybe an anti-inflammatory going, getting a little PT, a little brace of some sort mm-hmm. and save you a couple of days, yeah, you know, yeah, go ahead absolutely. and start treating it. And and the correct way to ice, which we'll talk about, because I think a lot sure. of people just put a little ice on there for about yeah. five minutes and they're like, OK, I put ice on it. I'm done. But we'll go ahead and go over to uh, Jackson and talk with Alex this morning. Hello, Alex. Hi. Hey, Alex. 
So my issue is that I was a competitive power lifter, mm-hmm. and I played all kinds of sports over the years. And uh, about a year ago, um, I had started having leg pain and back pain, and only recently got it evaluated and found out I have lumbar stenosis caused sure. by a bulging lumbar disc. Um, and so my weightlifting career is pretty much behind me at this point, yeah. but I have to stay active. So I was I was curious about the um, effect of impact, say, from running sure. on the severity of a, a bulged disc, because I've been doing PT and I've reduced a lot of the pain. I just don't want to relapse. I don't want to uh, continue causing myself issues that could be avoided. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question, Alex. And maybe not maybe not a perfect answer, and I'm not sure there is. So when the things we worry about with bulging disc, and honestly, a lot of patients over 35 or 40 have a little bulging disc, uh, just from kind of normal activity, certainly weightlifting, probably see a little bit more in some weightlifters. The things that you worry about is really the leg pain more than the back pain. So if you've got leg pain, oftentimes the disc is pushing on the spinal cord or the nerve roots. Uh, and that would be my concern. Um, you know, the second concern is if it's getting worse, right? So if it's getting better, some of these discs will kind of resolve over time or kind of reabsorb and shrink back down with anti-inflammatories or shots and some some just on their own. And so... If you've got increasing numbness, if you've got increasing weakness or increasing lower extremity pain from kind of compression of these nerve roots, that's what I would worry about. So I think, you know, if you're able to run and, and you know, exercise, and I think it's fine, um, you know, I kind of, it, it, not not every problem can be fixed, but I think exercise is important uh, um, because, you know, a lot of back things can be fixed, a lot of knee and ankle things can be fixed, but, you know, if I think for good heart health, you know, keeping a good exercise routine is important. And so I think you kind of have to weigh, uh, you know, weigh the risk and the benefits of the type of exercise you choose. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, sometimes if you can get in with someone who's got a pool or some kind of water therapy, because it takes a lot of that compression pain off of the back and you're able to still stay mobile, still counts as some resistance exercise as well as some aerobic exercise. And but takes that pain off so that you're not kind of having to do exercise and hurt at the same time sure yep all right alex thank you so much for that call there we appreciate you listening all right so uh, getting back to the the sports injury clinic and the the kinds of things that you're seeing what are some of the common sports injuries that you're seeing yeah so on friday nights i mean honestly we typically see a concussion or two um there are probably more that are happening than get picked up or noticed uh but, you know, the honest answer is the majority of concussions don't need to be seen in the ER, don't need a CT scan. Most patients, the large majority, over 90 percent are asymptomatic within 24 days. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, if, you know, mental status is getting better and not worsening, if there's not just an uncontrollable headache, uh, you're not having, you know, bleeding from the nose or ears, uh, things like this, mm-hmm. a lot of concussions can be evaluated just in the clinic, you know, either by the primary care pediatrician mm-hmm. uh, or at our clinic. And yeah. so um, the return, there's a return to play protocol after concussions. And so it's typically a six day protocol and the, the patients have to kind of run through that protocol before, the, before they're able to come back and play. And so getting seen on Friday night and once they're asymptomatic, we can start that protocol. So sometimes saves a day or two and uh, not that we're just trying to rush patients back right. to playing, but 
you know, there's only a few games as far as football season goes. And if that's your sport and that's what you love to do, we don't want you to have to miss any more than you have to. So concussions are probably a big thing with with football knee injuries. Mm -hmm. We see probably more knee injuries than anything. So um, ACL tears are what people think of just right off the, you know, right off the bat. The interesting thing about ACL tears is 70% of ACLs are in girls and 70% of ACLs are non-contact. So it's not necessarily a football to the, to the knee or a football helmet to the knee. It's a player was running cut to go back the other way and ACL tears. And so those are probably the big ones. We see a smattering of broken bones and uh, shoulder dislocations Mm -hmm. and things like that. Ankle injuries, ankle sprains. So it's a wide variety. I'm, I'm kind of surprised at some of the stuff that comes, comes walking (laughs) in on those Friday nights. Yep. All right. We're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about concussions and kind of what we should be doing to help our kids there. If you want to give us a call, our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672. We'll be back in just a few. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Dr. Jim Hurt, orthopedic surgeon at UMMC. And we're talking about sports medicine and sports injuries today. So if you have a question orthopedic related, we're happy to take that. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring And my email is fit at mpbonline.org if you would rather get in touch with us that way. All right. Before we went on the break, uh, mentioning some of the common injuries that you yeah. guys are seeing, but concussion came up. And that's oh, a, yeah. kind of a hot topic. You know, my um, oldest is running cross country and I had to fill out a concussion form for him for that and I was like if we're getting concussions in cross country we're doing it wrong but yeah right but um, it's important that we're at least having that conversation about concussion so tell me what a concussion is yeah it's a brain injury right so I think the term concussion just gets thrown around Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know and I think people kind of blow them off Uh, you know even 15 20 years ago especially in football right a lot of guys got their quote-unquote bell rung Mm -hmm. right then five, 10 minutes later, we're kind of back to normal and went back into the game. But I mean, it's a, it's a contusion of the brain. So uh, you can get them from all different things. But certainly in football, it's usually some right. sort of helmet to helmet collision or uh, just some sort of kind of, you know, traumatic tackle. And it doesn't have to be a head to head injury. It is basically if you're running forward and someone spears you kind of right in the midsection and then you go backwards your brain wants to keep going forward inside your skull and will bounce kind of off of the bone mm. on both sides. It's like so, you stop, but your brain keeps going. That's right. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so the brain actually kind of gets squeezed and bumped and it can be bruised. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really is a traumatic brain injury just on the lower end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is you can have injuries to different parts of the brain. So some of them 
recover almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And really, you're kind of back to normal within the within a you know a few minutes mm-hmm. or within an hour or so. Uh, and those patients oftentimes do well. And when we kind of do their return to play protocol, they bounce right back and just go right back to playing. The issue is if a, if a patient is symptomatic and has a, what we call a second hit, so a repeat concussion within a short period of time, especially if they're symptomatic from the first, you can that can kill you, mm-hmm. right? And so that that is something we certainly look out for and worry about. And so I just haven't. It's funny when I started, I used to almost get in arguments with coaches on the sidelines about players going back in, and coaches just know now, yeah. you know. And, and if a kid has a concussion, the kid's out for the game. We take their helmet away, and they're done. If there's any question whether a kid had right. a concussion, they're just done. I mean, you even see it on on the NFL sidelines now. They They've got these little iPads and they're watching replays of every hit and they'll pull players off even with just kind of a traumatic hit and check them out or take them to the locker room for kind of secondary. So um, it's they take it seriously now, which it should be. Just like you mentioned, you know, two hits and because the honest answer is we don't know what that's going to how that's going to affect your brain 20 years, 30 years from now. And so, uh, you know, probably a lot of people have seen the Will Smith movie Concussion, and that was really kind of brought you know that doctor kind of brought this stuff to the forefront Mm -hmm. that really there might be kind of traumatic injuries to the brain that are manifesting years later you know with um uh, with big problems and so we don't really know what's going to cause that or how many hits or how many concussions what the magic number is we don't know yeah and so but we take it seriously we certainly treat these patients so what are some of the symptoms of a concussion you don't have to lose consciousness right yeah so if you if you lose consciousness though it's a concussion Mm -hmm. so some of it can be headaches it can be light in in, like sensitivity Mm -hmm. noise sensitivity sometimes the kids are just confused have ringing in their ears I mean, there's, there are all sorts of symptoms. Um, oftentimes the player is pretty with it, but maybe has a little bit of memory loss, mm-hmm. right? Like has a little retrograde amnesia, meaning they, they don't really remember the two plays before, you know, right. or just a second afterwards, but are talking to you just as normal as normal can be. And so there's testing forms. There are a couple of tests out there that are approved um, that you can do sideline testing. There's other other kind of tests that we do in the clinic. Uh, and so we, we'll check them out on the sidelines, go to, do a kind of a quick neurovascular exam, uh, kind of a neurocognitive exam. And, you know, some kids are fine, right? Some kids have no symptoms and just took a hard hit and are okay. And others, you know, if there's any question, they're going to sit the rest yeah. of the game. We're not going to send them back. And that that is always contraindicated. Return to play on the same day. Yeah. You know, I had um, Michelle Gorath on the show yeah. to talk about concussions as well. And one of the things that they were really talking about is once the kid goes back to school, so not even a you know contact sport, yep. but just the cognition may be affected for those kids in school. And, you know, a lot of kids now are on, like, for their schoolwork, iPads yep. or computers oh, yeah. or things like that. And that's putting a lot of strain on an already kind of beat up neurological system. Yeah, no doubt. That's it's a good thing to bring up because these patients have kind of neurocognitive deficits sometime and so really what we talk about for the first 24 to 48 hours is just kind of neuro rest right Mm -hmm. they should take it easy for a day or two if they're still having symptoms headaches any sort of cognitive issues they need to be checked out again but probably should stay home Mm -hmm. probably shouldn't be going to school we just need to rest the brain yeah you know it's kind of like if you sprain your knee or sprain your shoulder we don't send you back to practice the next day right or we shouldn't yeah well yeah that's right (laughs) we shouldn't send you back to practice but same thing with the brain you know you should give it a little rest a little break now what about kind of the old um advice you don't go to sleep if you have a concussion i think that's fine the patient should just be checked on and that's kind of what we tell you 
you know, we sh- you shouldn't give anti-inflammatories or pain medicine, things like that, because you don't want to mask symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and anti-inflammatories can thin the blood. So if you have a little brain bleed, sometimes that'll manifest with increasing kind of neuro deficit. So the patient mm-hmm. can become more confused or combative, some different things. So they should be getting better. And that's the honest answer is they should be improved uh, or should improve as time goes on. And most patients that are leaving Friday night after the game are back to normal. Mm-hmm. Some aren't. And they should be checked on, right? Mom and dad, or, you know, or whoever's around should check on them, make sure that they're doing okay, uh, keep them hydrated, you know, and if something changes, then you go to the ER. Yeah. If a patient gets knocked out, they should probably go to the ER. Yeah. Yeah. If they, you know? absolutely, if they lose consciousness, go to the ER. Yep. And then other kind of warning signs, like you talked about, like their neurological status starts to decline even more. They're, yeah. you know, they're more clumsy or they're more confused yep. or, you know, things like that. Um, vomiting can be a sign as sure. well. You yep. know, usually, um, little kids, when they hurt their heads, they vomit right. because they're screaming so much. So yep. if they scream, 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 gag, vomit. Right. Um, but they usually don't throw up again. Um, yep. But bigger kids usually don't don't vomit initially. They don't right? Not from a head injury. Right. And so if it is, if if it is from a head injury, I mean that that should be checked out. Yeah. You want to make sure they don't have swelling on the brain that's yeah. causing that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So that was some great information about concussions. If you guys have a question for us related to sports injuries or sports medicine or orthopedics in general, we're happy to take those. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. All right. So we've talked about what happens if we have an injury, but obviously we would like to prevent injuries from occurring. So what are some ways to prevent any kind of really sports related injury or just activity related injury? Yeah. So, you know, first thing is just fitness, right? Uh, Don't don't go into activities unprepared. You know, I I think we all kind of in our mind, I still think I'm 18. Uh uh, And then I'd, I'd played golf this weekend and I <laughs> could hardly get out of bed yeah. the day after. Right. So I can't do things that I could when I was 18. So I think just general fitness, staying in shape, stretching, uh, core strengthening, mm-hmm. um, you know, cardiovascular exercise. And most of our kids are in pretty good shape. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's probably the biggest as far as injury prevention. Some of the orthopedic injuries are just hard to prevent, especially with football. Yeah. You know, you, if a 300 50 pound guy lands on your on hand you. <laughs> or your arm awkwardly yeah. like it you might break it yeah. right so they're just little things that happen from a fracture standpoint you can't prevent same thing with ankle injuries and knee injuries mm-hmm. the one thing that we that we have pretty good success with preventing is acl tears so uh you can't prevent them all but there is good good evidence and literature that shows that a they're, they're there are ACL prevention protocols out there. Now, they're pretty extensive. Mm-hmm. You've got to be doing exercises and some plyometric stuff and some cutting things. Um, and they especially work in girls. So girls tend to be quad dominant, meaning their hamstrings are a little weaker than their quads. So there's a, their knee is a little off balance, just mm. the way God made girls different than boys. And so... Um, we can we can fix that right we can fix the ratio of strength in the knee to kind of prevent um undue force on the acl when they do jump or when they land uh girls tend to have a little bit of weakness in their hip muscles so their gluteus medius and minimus uh tend to have a little bit more weakness than just guys mm-hmm. on average for no apparent reason and we can strengthen those up that improves kind of the alignment uh and how they land when they jump and when they run and cut and so these are things that we can do to actually prevent acl tears all right, and I think we have a question um, from Kevin this morning. Yeah. What you got, Kevin? Hi. Hi. Um, 
I enjoy playing tennis. Yeah. And sometimes afterwards, I'm a little sore, and so usually we'll take some Advil or something. Sure. But uh, some people have been recommending that you actually take the Advil before you play tennis. So when you do sports or activities like that, does taking a pain reliever beforehand do any good? Yeah, it's probably just going to make you feel a little bit better afterwards. I'm not sure it's going to prevent that soreness. Um uh, and I think it's kind of dealer's choice. I'm not sure there's a right or wrong way to do that. You know, I, th- I certainly think stretching before you play and stretching afterwards are good practices. Um, as far as being sore, I, I think that just means you got you got a good workout in, you know, when you played. And so I think it just depends on uh, kind of the in- individual preference. All right. Fantastic. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Thanks, Kevin. All right. We'll go ahead and take our uh, next break of the hour. Now's a really good time to give us a call if you have a question about orthopedics and sports medicine. Our number is one 672 We'll be back in just a few. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Dr. Jim Hurt, orthopedic surgeon at UMMC. And we've been talking about sports injuries and sports medicine in general. We've talked about the Friday night sports injury clinic that UMC operates um, from 9 to 11, right? That's right. 9 to 11. Um, For anybody who might have gotten injured at that uh, sporting event, uh, if we uh, can take just a second and remind folks that that's at the pavilion. It's at the pavilion. At UMC. Yep, sweet D. So if you walk in the front door, you just take a right. That's where everyone will be. And it's always nice if you feel like you might be a little mm-hmm. late to call ahead of time. Uh, that number is 601-815-4721. So if you call and just let us know you're coming, we'll even if you're going to be a little late, we'll stay and we'll see you. All right. Fantastic there. Okay. Let's go over to the phone lines. We'll go to Greenville first and talk with Bree. Good morning, Bree. Hey, Bree. Good morning. Good morning. What can we do for you today? Well, actually, um, for Christmas, we got one of the Peloton bikes, which has been transformational really for us fitness wise i've probably exercised more in the last eight months than i have in the last 10 years that's great uh, my question really is how to prevent um, knee injury uh, just from the repetitive motion and increasing resistance because um, even no stretching and before and after and a little bit of arm resistance training with it uh, i'm just worried about doing too much to my knees since I know knee problems going to run in my family and also my husband he's doing it a little more hardcore than me uh, but I'm just afraid for both of us knee wise yeah no I think um, yeah I actually have a Peloton too I I think they're great Um, the 
bikes probably better than running for your knees uh you know because it's it's not really impact even though you do you know you get on it sometimes and you're standing up and pedaling it's not pounding right so i think you hit the nail on the head i think you know stretching before and after is probably good um but you know keeping the weight off which if you're riding a peloton and you're eating healthy then you're probably doing that um you know i think that those are probably the two biggest things all you know knee injuries and arthritis in the knee sometimes isn't preventable sometimes that probably the biggest contributor of knee arthritis is genetics so uh it's kind of what mom and dad gave you so if you have uh, you know parents that had knees replaced or hip repla- hips replaced uh, there's a chance that no matter what you do or even if you do everything perfect you're you're kind of going down that road too but i think you're doing everything right you know i think stretching before and after uh, exercising keeping the weight off eating healthy i think those are the biggest things that you can do for your knee okay. and do you have any recommendations for um uh, maybe specific type of or brand of like glucosamine, chondroitin supplement or collagen supplement to kind of help that? No, I don't. I don't. There's, you know, all of those things are kind of over the counter. Uh, and most of the over the counter vitamins aren't regulated by the FDA. So you never 100% know exactly what you're getting. Uh, the general thought behind glucosamine and chondroitin is that it decreases inflammation. Uh, it's kind of one of the ingredients of cartilage in your knee. Doesn't look like it. Uh, grows cartilage back but there are a lot of people who think that it helps with knee pain and inflammation and whether that's placebo effect or subjective if if it helps it helps I, i basically tell my patients you know try it it can be a little expensive if you've taken it for a month or so and it's not working maybe maybe spend your money on something else yeah yeah. Right, right. And I'll, you know, just like Dr. Hurt said, you know, supplements and over the counter things like that are not regulated by the FDA. There is a like a voluntary um certification that they can get and you'll say USP on the side and that's of course not as rigorous as the FDA, but it does um hold them to some certain levels of um consistency that what's in that pill is actually what's in there. So anytime folks are wanting to do supplements whether it be glucosamine and chondroitin or if it's, you know, ginger or you know even vitamin d look for that usp verified seal on that bottle and that'll give you a little extra um layer of protection there right and also i've heard about um turmeric people using that but then i've also in the literature heard a lot more about liver issues with too high of a dosage right absolutely away from yeah i usually yeah i usually don't recommend um curcumin or turmeric supplements I love turmeric added to foods. You know, as much yeah. as we can get these things from food, sure. then that's how we want to de- do. Um, I enjoy what's called a, a golden latte after a really hard workout, which is just some milk with some turmeric powder, a little bit of ginger, and a little bit of black pepper to help that um, absorption there. And it's probably placebo, but it makes me feel better, and it's not hurting anything there. That's right. All right. That's why I did too. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Bree. You're welcome. Thanks, Bree. All right. We'll go over to Lexington and talk with Don. Good morning, Don. Hey, Don. Good, good morning. How are you all doing? We're great. Great. Okay. Uh, this is um, kind of along the lines of supplements, but I did read a, um, it was actually a scientific study about taking large doses of vitamin C because it help, helps disperse the lactic acid so you don't end up quite as sore afterwards. 
Um, do you guys have any information about that? I, I read about that a few years ago. I don't know if that's still valid or not. Okay. Yeah, I, I've I've briefly heard of that. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go back to kind of the same thing that I told Bree. You know, there's different doses of the vitamin C and all of these things. I, I don't think you're hurting anything by taking it. Um, I, as far as dispersing the lactic acid, I'm not, not 100% sure. The only thing that... And it is proven uh, creatine, like before or after, will help muscle repair uh, and allow you to do more, like in a shorter period of time. That's kind of been borne out in the literature. All of the other kind of supplements and stuff really don't have a lot of good proven literature behind them. So I don't think you're hurting anything, but I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I, I've taken vitamin C before and I'm still sore after I work out. So, yeah. And, okay. you know, and, go ahead. I have another question, too. Sure. Um, I'm getting a little bit older, um, and I've noticed that a lot of times if I do, like, a heavy workout or just a heavy, like, work in the yard, I'm not really sore the next day. I'm really, really sore, like, two days later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of typical. Uh, I think that's, you know, the muscles are, it, it, you know, they kind of take a beating one day and then are kind of waking back up, and then, then you really kind of get that soreness two days later. Uh, it's, that That's pretty typical for me, too. I still think I'm pretty young, but... I'm getting older. So I, and I think that's a common thing that we see. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So it's not just me. All right. No, not, I think it's me too. You're not so alone. we're in the same boat. You're not alone. All right. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don. I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, supplements in general. Yeah. I think we've got to think about the fact that when we take a supplement, all we're getting is that one particular thing. Sure. And when we look at vitamin C and all of these other things, if we get that from a, a food, mm-hmm. right, then we're also getting a lot of other things that are beneficial, not just for our muscles and our bones and aches and pains, but things that are good for our heart health that are going to sure. make us perform better from an athletic standpoint. So, you know, I'm a big fan of berries. Mm-hmm. Um full of antioxidants that are going to help with some of this inflammation and those kinds of things going on. But you're also going to get fiber with your vitamins and minerals that are coming in that. So as much as possible, when we talk about trying to increase maybe vitamin C or a B vitamin or somewhere in there, look for where those things live in food and try and get them from a food source. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah. That way you just, you know, food doesn't doesn't occur in isolation. There, there are nutrient packages there for a reason. Um, and another thing, thinking about these folks who are talking about kind of muscle soreness and that kind of stuff, is making sure that you're hydrating Absolutely. yourself appropriately and that you're also giving yourself um, a little little protein snack after you exercise. Yep. You know, I always feel like that's a good idea to give yourself a little bit, a uh, little bit of sugar and a little bit of, of protein after a workout. No, it's funny, like a lot of the kind of big time college programs in high schools now they they give their players chocolate, chocolate milk. milk yeah it's a big it's a, it's a good one right because yeah. you are getting you're getting some sugar and mm-hmm. carbs you're getting mm-hmm. protein you're getting a little fat and it's actually in a pretty good ratio mm-hmm. for recovery so uh you know and, and it's a good snack yeah it's a it good is. delicious snack it's a good little delicious snack i like um banana with a little bit of peanut butter yeah it's great you know um because i've i've grown to like bananas so that goes back to what i usually talk about on this show that if you think you don't like something you got to keep trying it yep. because bananas used to be like to me i just could not do it um but they're actually becoming one of my more favorite fruits now just for convenience sake because sure. you know you don't have to refrigerate them you don't need a knife to do anything with them you just peel it and eat it um and it's really nourishing for yep. the body there so 
a lot of times when folks are wanting to perform better from an athletic standpoint, they don't think about what they're putting in their bodies from the, from the food aspect. And I always tell folks, if you want to leg up on your competitor, look at what you're putting in your body because it's fueling yeah. what's going on. No doubt. You know? Well, you know, and I see I see a lot of patients in clinic that are significantly overweight but are in good shape, mm. right? They go to the gym every day and they run or they exercise. Um, you know, and the weight is probably not good for heart health, but exercise is. And it's mm. I tell patients all the time, it's really hard to lose weight just exercising oh, it yeah. off. I think exercise is a component of weight loss, but it's really kind of what you're putting in your body. Yeah. Uh, and people overlook drinks, you oh, know? Oh, gosh. So, we, so much. Yeah, I see a lot of people who are drinking a couple of gallons of sweet tea or, you know, a couple of two liter Dr. Peppers every day yeah. and really aren't eating a lot, but mm-hmm. they're taking in just an obscene amount of calories from what they drink. And yeah. so people forget that. Yeah. And sports drinks, too. You know, I see a ton of people yeah. down in bunches of Gatorade. Mm-hmm. And we've got to think about the sugar that's in that as well. You yep. don't want to be kind of canceling out what you did. Yep. So I do want to talk about hydration because that's an important part with this hot as it is um, here. But let's go ahead and tell Take um, our final break. Be a great time for listeners to give us a call and get on um, the line before the end of the show. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. We're talking sports medicine and sports injuries today. If you have a question for us, our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. All right, we're going to go straight on over to the phone lines because we've got a couple callers waiting for us. We're going to talk with Debbie this morning. Hello, Debbie. Hello. How are you? Hey, we're Debbie. Good. good. Okay, I have a suggestion okay. for those people who are concerned about the buildup of lactic acid. All right. Trained as a former deep tissue massage therapist, my protocol was to tell my patients, my clients, to go home and take a shower as hot as they could stand it for as long as they could stand it. Those people who followed that protocol were great. Those people who did not were fussing. Hmm. All right. So for the guy that's concerned about taking vitamin D. Yeah, absolutely. Take a a hot shower. Take a good, nice, long, hot shower. That sounds uh, relaxing. Sure does. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Debbie. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, moving right on down to Union, Mississippi. We're going to talk with Nathaniel. Hello, Nathaniel. Morning. Hey, what's up? Good. Not much. Not How much. are you, man? All right, I have a question. Sure. All right. Uh, a few moments ago, or like a minute or two ago, you mentioned something about during a workout or doing sports or something like that. You mentioned chocolate and milk. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 
I was always taught or told because I used to play football that when you drink milk and you're getting hot after doing all that workout stuff, that you would vomit it back up, hot milk. So, yeah. Why would I drink chocolate milk? So it's more, I would say more of a recovery drink, yes. Nathaniel. So after you're done with the workout. So yeah, football teams are oftentimes after they're done with practice, will have, you know, gallons of chocolate milk out there and they let the guys have it once they've kind of cooled down. Yeah. So not kind of in the midst of activity. I agree. That would yep. be a little heavy on your tummy and would probably make you want to make you want to yep. barf a little bit. Um, but usually for recovery beverages, we're talking within 15 to 30 minutes after a workout is when you kind of trying to give your body that little extra shot of of glucose and, and protein there. So after we're cool a little bit, after we've hydrated with some water, um, a little bit of a recovery drink there or absolutely, like I mentioned before, some fruit and nuts or a fruit and nut butter or something like that that's given your body the little nutrients that it needs to repair yep uh, i was always taught just drink a, a gatorade or a red bull or yeah. oh not a red bull <laughs> that that one we don't want to do but we'll talk about gatorade in just a minute too okay all thanks. right thanks all nathaniel right. thanks nathaniel all Thank right you. Mm-hmm. and going to basic lewis and talk with edwin good morning edwin hey edwin hey good morning thanks good for taking morning. my call sure I have a kind of a complex question. All right. Um, I've seen two orthopedic doctors, and I had, like, MRI done, and um, I have, like, a little arthritis, and I have a um, meniscus tear. I could call it a, a bucket handle tear with some um, fragments. I think it has a flip or a flap I read on the um, radiologist's notes. So one doctor said I should go in on and have the um, arthroscopic surgery, but the other doctor says, well, um, you can do the surgery, but I'm going to still have the pain. And that's my main focus is going there. I'm going to still have the pain from the arthritis. And he says he goes in there and takes the meniscus out because for some reason I wouldn't repair it because of my age. I'm 61. Yeah. They take the meniscus out. They say I'd be doing more damage than good. And then I did a lot of research online, and there's a school of thought saying that um, arthroscopic surgery is kind of like a, a waste of, of money. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's necessarily a waste of money, but it depends on the situation. And so I would say your your situation's in the gray zone. Uh, there's there's not a it's it's not black and white, and there's not a perfect answer. So really, after the age of fifty, the majority of knee pain that we see is is oftentimes related to degenerative changes or a little bit of arthritis. And so the indications for arthroscopy definitely decrease. Uh, when there's a little arthritis in the knee, knee, because that can cause pain too. And sometimes the arthritis and the rough spots in the knee can kind of lead to some fraying and tearing of the meniscus. So oftentimes we just treat the symptoms first. Now, bucket handle tears are maybe a little bit different because that's that's a big tear of the meniscus and it's displaced and out of place. Mm-hmm. And so bucket handle tears, if they're moving around inside the knee, can cause catching, clicking, popping, and it can actually wear away the cartilage sooner than just normal day-to-day activities in the normal aging-related process. So, um, no, I mean, it, I think it depends on the amount of arthritis that you already have in your knee. If it's mild, then it's probably worth doing the arthroscopic surgery to get the, that bucket handle tear out because it might be causing more damage than it is, uh, you know, than would normally happen just day in and day out. So, um, you know, I, it sounds like you've gotten kind of conflicting advice, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. but there are certainly multiple just, you know, kind of multiple 
thoughts on that topic, but that that would be kind of my general my general suggestion of if, if it's causing catching and popping uh, and it's hurting and you're having locking up or mechanical type symptoms, then the bucket handle should probably be addressed as long as you don't have just completely bone on bone end stage osteoarthritis. Gotcha. Well, I don't, I don't have any locking, you know, if that weak yeah. knees, I have pain and, um, but tell me this though, if he, how come, um, he's saying, well, they would take the meniscus out. So he would take all the meniscus out. Yeah. Typically, the, took- yeah, typically the torn part. And that's a good question because, um, you know, people, people typically want things repaired, but the meniscus after the age of 30 to 40 really kind of loses its blood supply. Uh, and mm-hmm. so if we fix it back and put stitches in it, it, it maybe looks better and is in a better position, but oftentimes it doesn't heal. And so that's what we would be concerned about. So after really after the age of 40, the indications for repair of the meniscus go way down. And so you sometimes take, it's not ideal to take the meniscus out, but if it's causing more damage, by leaving it in, then it's better to take it out than to leave it in. Gotcha. So how would I know if it's causing me more damage by um, leaving it in? If it start locking up on me, the pain yeah, certainly. If you're there? having yeah, if you're having mechanical symptoms, and then just checking up with your orthopedic surgeon. So uh, you know, repeat X-rays over time to see if the arthritis is worsening, or a repeat MRI down the road. Okay. Okay. And sometimes just and one symptoms. Last que- yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. One last question is um. So if they do take um, part of the meniscus out or all the meniscus out, and say if I don't have no arthritis, yep. you don't have any cushion. So yeah. wouldn't that lead to arthritis too? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good point. So, you know, 30, 40 years ago, our football players, if they had a little meniscal tear, we took the whole thing out. They were back playing football three to four weeks later. And then we realized that 20, 25 years later, they they – showed back up with arthritis in that knee. And so, yes, uh, and you're really kind of picking the lesser of two evils. So leaving a tear in that's tearing your knee up quickly is bad mm-hmm. and maybe worse than taking out something that's causing damage, even though you're taking out some of the cushion and the stability of your knee. It will typically lead to some arthritic changes within 10 to 20 years, but it's better than six months. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Great question. One last thing. He, yeah. They want to try this hyaluronic acid. You think that's going to do any good? Uh, it's a treatment for arthritis. Yeah. So, I mean, if the pain that you're having is coming more from the arthritis than the tear and it works, then mm-hmm. maybe you can avoid surgery. You know, uh, if you try it and it doesn't work at all, and these are basically injections. These are what people call the rooster mm-hmm. comb injections. Uh, if, if you take them and they don't work at all, then maybe the pain is coming from the meniscal tear, and that might lead you to try the arthroscopy. Gotcha. All okay, right. well, I appreciate that. Great Thanks talking so with you, Edwin. Thank you. you all right, very quickly, we're going to move on to our last caller and talk with Bobby. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. Yeah. Hey. You just just answered all of my questions. Oh, well, funny how that happened. I am about 87 years old, and I'm pleasingly plump. Pleasingly plump. That's a good way to put it. I like that. I have had a Baker's cyst. Uh, You might address that. Yeah. That's years and years and years, and I had my one doctor before uh, the orthopedic doctors got so popular, he would just go in the side of my leg on my knee with a needle. Sure. Drain it. No, so Baker cyst, I, I see a lot of patients that have Baker cyst, and I think there's some misconceptions about those. So typically, a Baker cyst is a little outpouching or fluid collection of joint fluid in, um, the back. in the back of the knee. That's correct. And so 
it is typically not an isolated thing. It is typically the result of something going on in your knee. The two most common things are arthritis or a meniscal tear. And so well, Arthur and I are very pleased, are, pleased to get along with every morning. Y'all are, y'all are buddies. Going. <laughs> yeah. So no, if you've got a little arthritis in your knee, that can cause increased swelling or incre- increased fluid in your knee. And there's a little weak spot of the capsule uh, in the back of your knee. And so that fluid can, can just kind of pooch out and form a little cyst. So they're hard to address. If you've got a meniscal tear and that's the cause of the excess fluid, fixing the meniscal tear typically makes the Baker cyst better. With arthritis, you know, it's more symptomatic treatment. So cortisone shots or anti-inflammatories or even knee replacement uh, would typically get rid of the Baker cyst. Oftentimes, if they're cut out, they come back uh, oh, yeah. if the thing inside the knee wasn't addressed. Uh, let's see. I had. Uh, oh, well, I don't need to go into all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, darling. Thank you for giving us Thanks. a call today. Thanks, Bobby. Great talking to you. All right. So um, very quickly, I wanted to mention what we talked about with hydration and Gatorade. Um, You know, my personal kind of guideline I go by is if I'm out in the heat for more than an hour and my exercise is lasting more than an hour, then I probably need an electrolyte thrown in there. I think that's a good. Yeah, Um, I think it depends on the kind of the amount, how much you're sweating. Right, right. right. So and so I would definitely go more with a fitness water that doesn't have all that extra sugar added to it um, or a low, uh, low sugar variety there. So that's kind of my hydration story. Yeah. And I would, so I would add, if you know, you're going to be exercising, you know, you're going to be out like prehydrating yeah. is good, right? So drinking, you know, 12 to 16 ounces of water prior, about an hour prior to yeah. exercise. And then, you know, uh, like four to eight ounces of fluid every 15 to 20 minutes. If you're out in the heat or truly sweating, is yeah. probably good. Yep. All right. Well, I cannot believe it, but we are out of time for this episode, which just means we'll have to have you back because oh, be there's great. lots of good stuff we didn't talk about. Real quick, throw out that number for the Friday night clinic again. Yeah. So if you're coming, just call us ahead of time and we'll make sure to stay there until you get there. The number 601-815-4721. That's our football injury clinic uh, Friday nights at the Pavilion at UMC and Sweet D. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Josie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. If you guys didn't get a chance to get your question in with us today, you can always send that to me via email. That email address is fit at mpbonline.org. Thanks to our producer, Kevin Farrell, for another great show. And thanks to our callers and our listeners that make our show great. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. 